Well, on today's episode of the Aspire podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to hear the story of someone who is on the road there of going into vocational ministry, but not quite there yet. We did this last season and it was really great. So I thought we'd do it again. And we're doing it with a friend of mine called Beck Underwood. Beck was a friend who I met through my sister, Liana. They both did a really fun overseas mission trip and, and training with an organization called YWAM. They did that in Hawaii for a bunch of months. And when I met her, she was a very fiery evangelist and just love for the Lord, had a real passion and zeal and had a real heart for overseas mission and was really encouraged by her and encouraged by her story. And then coming back to Australia, I bumped into her again through my sister and was encouraged to hear that God was doing many things in her and through her and leading her in different ways. And I don't want to spoil her story yet, but I've got her onto the podcast for a reason because I think she's got a powerful story and I think she's going to encourage all of you to really seriously consider how is God leading me right now. So, Beck, thank you so much for coming on the Aspire podcast. Thank you for having me. So good, so good. Hey, as you know, you're a listener of this podcast. You know how these podcasts roll. But what we want to do to start off is just can you talk me through when did you first think about mission or vocational ministry, thinking actually this is something I want to do in my life for the rest of my life as a career? Oh, my goodness. I don't think I could ever pinpoint maybe a specific moment of when that happened because I think I'm definitely one of those stubborn younger people um, that has been drilled into them by society, even by Christians saying, you know, there's no money in missions or don't do missions. That's what people do when they don't know what else to do with their life. Um, yeah, so I was very stubborn for a very long time. And even to this day, I, I still don't know what my mission's going to look like. I don't know where I'll end up doing or what I'll end up doing. But I think that the Lord, when he's changed your life so much and when he really strips everything away, and shows you who he is himself um there's no going back from that (laughs) i think Mm -hmm. uh, my eyes and my spirit has really been opened to who jesus christ is in my life um and i could say that i've been a christian my whole life but i really haven't and the, the the moment where i truly met god i couldn't go back and i think it was a slow burn over time of figuring Mm -hmm. out okay who i really am in christ what does he want my life um what does he want to do with my life I think a big thing for me and how he's made me is that I'm a very all or nothing, all or nothing type of person. And so in that, he's really grown my heart um, for missions in this particular place. And um, yeah, I still don't know what that looks like, but I want mm-hmm. my life to be God's and wherever that's going to lead me, I don't mind where that goes. Yeah, that's so sick. So for you, that it wasn't a particular moment, but it was more so just a gradual inclination that this is something that I really want to do. Can you talk me through though some key times in your life where you feel like God shaped you, has shaped you or encouraged you or led you to overseas mission? So you said you became, you were sort of always a Christian in some sense towards the later end of high school or going to university. What was it like in that time? Was missions on the radar then or not really? Missions has not been on the radar since I think um, even after YOM, so very recent. And I went to YWAM in 2019 with lovely Liana. Um, but <laughs> actually, that's that's a funny story. I believe that um, the Lord really wanted me to go to YWAM in Hawaii for a reason. And mm. he used Liana to do that too. <laughs> yeah. How did you get to YWAM? Tell me about that. 
Yeah, so I was invited by one of my friends from school to go to a gathering that was at St. Matt's and it was a, like a gathering of young people and we basically just got together and we worshipped and Liana prayed for someone um, out loud across the room and it was definitely a, a God moment and a spirit tap on the shoulder because Liana for those of you who know Liana, has the most lovely voice, the most calming voice I've ever heard. And the spirit was basically, I felt, was nudging me to say, hey, go and actually speak to her. So I mm. said, okay. And I walked over to her and I basically just said, I, I know you don't know me, but I introduced myself and I just complimented her and her lovely prayer and her voice. And we had a conversation for maybe five minutes. And then that was before HSC and six months on, I was tossing up what to do with my life and I knew I wanted to take a year off, but I didn't. As know. we all are. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're all on the same boat at one stage. So mm. I was considering what to do and uh, my sister actually suggested YWAM to me and I'd never heard it before, but it was kind of at the back of my mind and I was tossing up between maybe Newcastle and Hawaii, but I still hadn't committed yet. And I was praying a lot into it. And I was like, God, please give me a sign or please speak to me. Please build my desire and my heart for this. I want to go where you want to take me. And so I just kept praying about it. And one time I was at a study camp and very randomly, but for some reason, these girls in it was at it was in Pimble actually and these girls were talking about someone and I don't know how it was I think it was a god thing but I just immediately interrupted them and I was like who are you talking about are you talking about Liana and they were like yeah we go to school with her and I was like what is she doing um for for you for after school is she going somewhere and they said yeah she's going to Wyoming Hawaii and I think the puzzle just fit in and I was like okay this isn't not a coincidence I had no idea who they were talking about I just knew I had to speak to these girls and so I immediately texted Liana and I was like I hope you remember me from six months ago and she did and we caught up and we ended up going and flying over together um and yeah and ever since then I just truly opened my eyes up to who the Lord was my whole life I've been I had been a very lukewarm Christian and I know that a lot of Christians define lukewarmness in different ways. But for me, it was, I understood that there was a God. I knew that he was real, but I didn't really apply that to my life. I didn't think Mm. that that meant I had to give up things. I didn't think I had to sacrifice things. He was not my Lord, but um, actually that's, that's funny. I listened to your podcast today, actually. And, um, the girl and I said, yes, Kelly, that's right. And yeah, she said yeah. that it was God had not been her Lord yet, um, mm. just her Savior. And I think that I was going through those motions and in maybe a different way to, than she was, but it was definitely a moment of, oh, actually God is real. <laughs> mm. God is my Lord and my Savior. His life is mine. And I fully understood his grace for the first time. And I think mm. it's crazy because Powerful. I – yeah, I have been in church my whole life, but until I took this one year off to go to YWAM and actually seek out the Lord for myself, I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. I could have, I could tell you all the Bible stories. I could tell you what the Bible was about, who Jesus was and the grace that he had, but I never had the understanding myself. So I went to YWAM and I think that the Lord just honored me taking a year out of my, out of, out of my life to just serve and honor him. Um, and he wow. revealed himself to me and 
yeah. <laughs> well, wow, super powerful. So you learned a lot about God and yourself while, while you were over there in YWAM. For those who don't know, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, is a really huge, one of the biggest missionary agencies in the world. Really powerful. And they offer these, what would you call like a sort of intern training year where you get to do mission and 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 training. Would you mind just talking about like what what actually is YWAM? For those of you who don't know what it is, I just briefly explain it, but just give people more context about what it is and what you did. Yeah, and then sure. in what ways, you spoke about lukewarmness, but in what other ways did that trip shape you and encourage yeah. you and spur you on to do overseas mission? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so YWAM, Aaron, that was a really good explanation, but YWAM is called Youth With, is called youth with a Mission. And they basically ask that all first-timers come in and they do this um, this school called a DTS program. So that's short for Discipleship Training School. So similar to university where you have to do um, a diploma before a master's or, or a bachelor or something like that, you have to do this DTS training before anything else. And so a DTS is where you have three months on campus to learn about your identity in Christ and who Jesus really is and you get equipped um, and then you uh, next three months get sent out somewhere around the world with a group that you've been doing this school with and walking through life with and serve the nations and yeah, serve people where you can. And it's a really safe and beautiful opportunity to grow. I think that's, that's a really big thing to grow of mm-hmm. how, um, yeah, it's a safe environment and you have mentors that watch over you and guide you and lead you. And God is always on the move because <laughs> you're so attentive to it. You're always surrounded mm-hmm. like when we're aware of it. So I think in our day-to-day lives, sometimes we can think, oh, God's not here, but it's just so, so mundane. No, he's always in it. And I think that's something that wow, I'm taught me that just because we don't see these things or feel these things all the time, it doesn't mean that God is any less close than he is now. And so that's really equipped me for today. And um, yeah, just really beautiful moments that the Lord put missions in my heart. I think that YWAM is a really invaluable experience to lay and sacrifice things and lay them down and say, okay, God, I maybe not want to, I don't want to do this right now. Cause you'll have those hard nitty gritty moments where you're saying, God, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, and I'm going to actually push forward and do what you've called me to do. And um, in this season. And it was really hard, actually. Wyom was really hard, but also the best year of my life. And it was so rewarding. And I went to Uganda, actually. I know, Aaron, you have a heart for Africa. But yes. I went to Uganda, yes. Yeah. Mm. And it was really yeah, when you said you were, When I heard you were going to Uganda, I thought, awesome. Love Uganda. And yeah. and as well, I was actually, I w- went over to see Liana. And obviously, I saw you there. And that was so great for me to see what it was like, Wyom. And just want to emphasize what you're saying to everyone who's listening that just such a powerful powerful organization where it's such amazing training and just such a hunger and zeal for god and just such a just i left i, I was staying at the hotel with my mom and dad but i left one night after doing worship with everyone and i just had this burning sensation in my soul and spirit and just thought, oh my gosh, like this is nuts. These people are crazy, but <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> I thought, wow, I want to come back. This mm-hmm. this is nuts. So so you went to Uganda and that was part of the the outreach stage yes. of yes. your of your training. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Had you been to Uganda before? How, never how been that? to Africa, <laughs> never been to Uganda. It was insane. Um, where to begin? Wow. Um 
yeah, we basically went, we joined up with Wyom Uganda actually mm. uh, for, for a small portion of it, but we went to Kampala first and it was heavy. Um, we were doing a lot of school and church ministry and street evangelism and in a lot of the churches and schools, we were doing exorcisms and we were basically walking into these schools. Wow. Um, yeah, it was an, it was intense, but you know, when we were walking into these schools and we were walking, carrying the spirit and carrying what we were, Jesus Christ, you, for the audience that don't know, Uganda is a very, um, very spiritual place in the way that the most of the Western world is not. I believe that the spirit works in different, mm. or evil spirits work in different, um, in different ways in different nations, which makes sense because everywhere is different and the people and the culture are different. But in Uganda, the, the, the spiritual realm is very real in the way that they have witch doctors mm. and these witch doctors actually, um, they speak curses over people who come to them and ask them to speak curses over particular people that may have a vendetta against or they may not want to live anymore. And so these children are actually coming from these homes where they've been growing up in a, in a society and in a community that has this, these open doors walking among them and it's, and it's really heartbreaking to see. But we see that when we're coming into their schools and we would actually have moments where we would walk in and these kids would immediately freak out or these people would actually react and they would um, need prayer. And so we came in and we would lay our hands on them as um, yeah, we see in Acts. And there was so much beautiful fruit from that. The Lord really worked in all of our hearts. And it was actually really challenging for a lot of us because we, although we're exposed to it, none of us were extremely discerning of spirits. Um, mm. So the mentors, the Ugandan mentors we had were, so they helped us and they led us. But yeah, well, I was, was going to say, for someone who hasn't been to Africa before, obviously <laughs> we see signs and miracles in Acts yes. and in the Gospels. Yeah. And so we, we know this stuff happens when God's kingdom breaks in. It was just the power of just carrying the name of Jesus. We didn't even speak it. It was just knowing that we were carrying it, which was powerful. And I think that's when my eyes were really open to, wow, missions is needed. Missions is mm. needed not just financially, but for people to actually come in and carry the gospel and carry the name of Jesus. I know there's a lot of controversial conversations that get spoken about having, oh, these missionaries, you know, they don't actually need to go over there because they could just give their money instead and that would make a difference. You know, you hear, you know, white savior complex, colonialism, other th other things you want to call it. After I came back, I was very oblivious to the co controversial conversations and the topics that people were talking about, uh, how white people would go into a country and they would, you know, spread the gospel and they'd then they'd leave. And you hear things like white savior complex. You hear things like, um, yeah, just just basically assignments from the enemy to stop these missionaries from going out and spreading the gospel because it's what we're commissioned to do in the Bible. And I remember talking to my Ugandan mentors about that. They live in Uganda and they had never heard something like that before being spoken. And they were very confident in thinking that was the devil's work. They were very confident in saying, no, we need missionaries to actually carry the gospel. We need them in person to carry the spirit. Yes, money and financial sides are really important and we need that to keep missionaries going and we need it to help people that are um, yeah, less fortunate than us. But there is a different ministry where we actually can walk in and 
be hands of feet to people that need it, not just money, but hands and feet. You can't pay for an exorcism to be done. You, that's that's mm. something that's been on my heart. You can't just pay for, to, to get people set free. You can't pay for people's salvation. That's not how it works. You actually lay your life down to Jesus. You lay your life down to God. You get sent out. You be the hands and feet. You carry the gospel. You be humble and you and you carry Jesus. And yes, maybe you'll leave. And yes, maybe there isn't some so many great things about short-term missions. But for the long run, like that's to equip long-term missions, right? You have mm-hmm. a little short-term missions and then you have long ones in the in the near future. Because I'm sure that if I never went and became a part of why women went on this short-term missions, I wouldn't be interested in any long-term missions because I wouldn't know what it looked like. And we you wouldn't have a taste like, for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, the same for me. Like I didn't do YWAM, but I get I got to do a short vision trip in Ethiopia and then I spent time in Zimbabwe and Uganda uh, in 2017. And I found similar thing, that taste of just being there on the ground in the field, just so helpful. So it yeah. sounds as though what you did was just really helpful for you and that you were with people who knew what they're doing, those local Ugandans. And that's something I love about YWAM, how when you guys go, you partner with the locals. It's not like you're coming in yeah. just as white yeah. people to just preach to everyone, but you partner with the locals yeah. to to speak obviously the la- through the, the local language and and yeah. and reach people in in ways that are culturally sensitive and stuff like that. So you went to Uganda and that was super hectic and then you come back from Uganda back to YWAM and you've got a week or something in debrief. At that point when at that point of debrief at YWAM, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, yep, I want to be a long-term missionary. Have you still got doubts at that point? Uh, missionary was not on my agenda at all, <laughs> whatsoever. I, yeah, that just not in my head. I knew that uh, the Lord was present and the Lord was moving in my heart, but I had no idea what it meant. I, before I went to Warham, was set on going to ANU and studying this course that I wanted to study Asian Asian studies, um, but mm. you know, Asian international politics, things like that, and I was set on that. And then I went to YWAM and I had um, beautiful prophetic people confirm that for me in the area that I was supposed to go in. Um, and God was building that desire in my heart of this particular place, which I won't mention, but it's somewhere in the persecuted where the church has been persecuted. Mm. So people were actually affirming that. And it's funny because, um, yeah. So I'm someone gave you a prophetic word about a particular place that you may want to go to. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sorry, that was not clear. Mm. <laughs> um, okay. yeah, so I went, what happened was before I went to YWAM, this one particular place that my heart was burning for, I had a lot of people come against me from that and say, mm. you know, you're a woman, why would you want to go there? Um, you look a certain ethnicity, so you should go here instead. You should learn Spanish and go to America and study politics there. You know, I had all these worldly voices that were telling me that my dream was, in fact, honestly dumb. They were saying it was irrational. It wasn't realistic. And so I went into YWAM thinking, okay, after YWAM, I have to go and study this and I have to go and do this because that's what's logical. And this dream in my heart, it was irrational. Um, but when I went to YWAM, to my surprise, I had at least eight people who I didn't know as well come up to me and say, hey, you know, I, I, I see you in this particular place and I see you um, working here and I see you your heart being built for this. And it was all the same place in the same nation. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that God was saying, basically replacing all those voices that weren't from him 
and speaking life into the dream that he'd given me and into my heart that was saying, no, this is where I want you to go. For me, though, wow. I still thought that was, okay, go to ANU and study this particular topic in this particular nation, learn that language, and I'm set. After four years, the Lord will lead me somewhere else. So after I got back from Uganda, I was set on it. I thought I prayed about it, but I don't think I did looking back. And I went to ANU for a year and I did that degree for, yeah, a year I finished that. And I had a beautiful, lovely prophetically gifted friend that texted me this um yeah word that she'd gotten while she'd been praying and being with the lord mm. and this was maybe in november and it was basically saying um yeah leading me away from college it was saying that the lord wanted to bring more glory out of my life and essentially college wasn't the place where it was going to happen at um, any yes yes mm. And so I think this is where, um, yeah, Patty says, be careful what you pray for, because from ever <laughs> since I truly knew God in my way, my prayers were, were, God, use my life for your glory in the biggest capacity. I don't care what it looks like. I only get one life on this earth. Use it for your glory and, your, and the biggest glory that you can. I know that some Christians want to call that the bigger calling. I don't know what you call it. I just want it to be God glorifying to the biggest capacity it can and so yeah I had I had constantly prayed that and this friend texted me this and I know that a lot of people say that they know it's from God because peace comes with the word but mm. I'm telling I'm saying like you know words from God can still be exhortation and rebuking when someone comes mm. to give us an encouragement encouragement can still be a rebuke and this is what I was getting it was a gentle rebuke but it was still a rebuke and I didn't feel peace. <laughs> I, I felt distraught because I knew it was God. Mm. I had prayed into it. I actually took that to the Lord. And this this um, girl who gave me this word was right. She said, I hadn't prayed into going to college. And I said, yes, I had. And she said, no, you haven't. She knew. And I said, yeah, okay. I went back and I continued to pray. And um, the Lord was so gracious to me throughout that time. As I look back, he really, really answered my prayers. It wasn't just this one person who gave me this word, but I actually got sent seven more people that led me into, it was, it was reflecting the same thing that this girl had given me this word. And so I had about eight people pursuing the God, pursuing me through eight beautiful wow. people, even people I haven't even met. And it was just a beautiful way of God answering the prayers when I had been stubborn and I wasn't listening to him. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew it was God. I dropped out of uni. I dropped out of college. And wow, that's massive. It was massive, but I think. Because you're only partway through, but you felt like God was yeah. leading you elsewhere through all mm. the people that he was speaking through. Yeah. And it wasn't just what they were saying. I knew in my spirit that it was the right thing to do. And mm -hmm. I know that we have to weigh up prophetic words very carefully and very, um, yeah, skeptically. We have to ask God, is this actually from you? Is this the right spirit that I'm listening to. We have to discern those spirits. And I was doing that throughout my journey of this, this journey whole, it all happened within November. It was in one month. And I basically had to, had to just give it all up. I had to, I had to surrender everything that I knew. And it took me a month to fully surrender college, to fully surrender the, the, the hatefulness of the unknown. Honestly, I hate the unknown at the time. And so I just let it, 
I let it all go to God and I said, okay, you know, I got, I told you that my life is for your biggest glory and your biggest capacity. And if college isn't it, as much as I love it, as much as I'm, you know, I loved college, I was doing well. And I think that's a really big testimony to this day because a lot of people now ask me what I do when I say, oh, like I go to part-time college and I drop out of um, part-time Bible college, sorry. And I drop out of uni and they say, oh, uni's not for everyone. Like, it's okay. They think that my Bible college is actually my fallback. And I have to say, no, actually, I loved, mm. I loved Bible. Um, I loved university. I loved my degree. I loved learning the language that I know that I'm going to go to one day, but mm. God led me away. I say that to everyone, even if they're not even a Christian, because it's my life. I can't separate it. I can't say, oh, I decided to not go to college anymore just because um, I felt like it. I have to say, no, God led me away from it. Um, it's super yeah. powerful and it's really challenging for all of us to think about in what ways God leading us that we're maybe not conscious of or we're not thinking about. So I think that's really challenging. So you got on your heart going into a restricted access country to do overseas mm. mission and you're doing part-time theology Yes. To, to get there. What are some challenges that you're facing in aspiring to get to that place or that area? Well, challenges, honestly, probably other people in having to discern the worldly voices from the godly voices. Um, mm. I've had a lot of people speak over me, even when they're Christian, uh, something that's not actually wise and advice that I know isn't from the Lord. And I think when the Lord places a dream in our hearts, that seems far-fetched, seems really um, irrational at times. We have to remind ourselves of the word. You, we look at these stories and God is a God of the impossible. There is no cap we can put on God. We don't know what God's going to do. We can't predict God. He has no boundaries. He has no limits. And so I have a lot of people who are, in fact, Christians that come against me and say, no, you can't do that. Why would you do that? That's not very smart of you to be thinking to aspire to this place. Um, that's very dangerous. I don't think you should do that. And it's funny to me because those words don't actually <laughs> affect me anymore, but they used to. And I think that's something that we all have to be aware of because when God gives us a dream and we're so determined to get to the end and we're so determined to actually see the dream out and live it out, there's going to be eternal uh, opposing voices that come against us, whether they're internal or external. And I think some of the most damaging voices that can come against us are actually Christian voices. And so if we're not smart by who we tell our dream to or who we share with or who we're being vulnerable with, we're going to have advice that is not necessarily God-giving advice. It's not going to be life-giving. Mm. It's certainly hard, isn't it, when we get crushed by a brother or sister, but it does happen. We yeah. give someone a real dream that we have and they just squash it. So, yeah, I think that's challenging. And and how did you push through the discouragement of someone sort of pushing you down and saying, hey, you shouldn't go there? I think it was a season, if I'm honest. I think that before I had dropped out of college, out of my university degree, these are when the voices were almost the loudest because, I mean, it makes sense. I was, I was about to fully surrender my life to Christ and, you know, the enemy wants to stop us from doing that, wants to try anything that he can. And so these voices were getting louder and louder and I knew then that I had to actually surrender everything up to God and these voices had to become quieter. And when I did that, 
I haven't heard them <laughs> ever since I've dropped out of college. I haven't heard them as much. You get the occasional, mm. that's so dangerous. But honestly, the amount of people that have come across opposing me have not, or opposing my calling have not, I haven't heard them. <laughs> They've been non-existent. And I think that's a really powerful God thing because now I'm on, I'm on this track that I know I need to get to and people are really encouraging. And um, yeah, I, I, as Aaron said, I go to SNBC, Sydney Missionary Bible College. And it's funny because a lot of the people there that I've met have affirmed what I'm doing and they say, yes, we know so many people there that, you know, they're single women and they're, they're thriving in this nation and I have contacts and it's so encouraging and edifying from so many different denominations. And I've never had that before for my calling. And so I definitely just think it's a season that we have to pay attention to because when we're on the brink of, of fully sacrificing and giving everything to the Lord, that's when the enemy will try everything to pull us back in and to try ground mm. us in worldly false truths. Can I quickly go there on the note of being a single woman? So you mentioned how that was mm-hmm. encouraging that other people are like, oh, there are single women over there. How do you feel about that as you're preparing to go to the field? Are you someone, I know it's quite a personal question, but you sort of like, yeah, I'm happy to go single or you're looking for someone to go with you and how are you balancing that with you want to keep moving forward in your vision but also you, are you still pondering those other questions about do you want to take someone with you? Yes, yes, I see. No, I'm I'm set on celibacy <laughs> at this point in my life. I, yeah, it is, it is, but uh, I'm a Obviously, God cool. gives us, yeah, obviously God gives us choices in life and he's not one to control our decisions. But I do believe that this, where God wants me and where God has placed me, I don't want to compromise that for anything. I want my ministry to be my ministry. And the Bible says that when we have a family, family always has to be your first ministry and it has to come first, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing and obviously an amazing and honoring thing. But for me, I'm so focused on where I want to be and where what the work's the Lord has set before me, I want to complete. I want to just be looking at Jesus. I want to just be looking at God. Um, and yeah, I think that once I'm I'm on that track and not having really any distractions, but just looking at Jesus, it's where my heart wants to go and what my heart wants to do. So yeah, wow, that's something so you cool. also don't really hear much of, but. Yeah, we should talk about it more, singleness mm, and how to navigate yeah. those waters. Hey, thank you so much for your time on the podcast. Just about to wrap up, but as we do so, would you mind giving some advice just to someone who's your age, who's thinking about going to mission, maybe in a restricted access country? What would you say to them based off your experience that you've had? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I would say when the Lord gives you a dream, there's going to be voices in the world that tell you to go to not do it. Always. There's always going to be someone that's telling you not to. And they're going to give you really good reasons, whether they're Christian or not. They're going to say that it's irrational. Um, They're going to say you don't look the part. Learning a language is hard. Being single is not not right to go over there. Um, But yeah, just focus on the Lord and his voice only. Don't listen to what everyone else is saying. we have to be able to discern those voices. And when you're confused in this state of having so many voices, bring it to the Lord and say, Jesus, I need you and I, I need your voice to speak to me because I don't want other voices that are not from you. And he will. And he, he is faithful. And we have to know that, you know, I, when we as his, as his, um, as his children, 
pray and ask him, God, I want my life to serve you and glorify you. It's, it's a prayer that the Lord wants to fulfill. It's, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I'm not special in the way that I had people randomly giving me prophetic words that magically all aligned. I'm not special in that just because I'm, you know, it doesn't make me unique. It just means that the Lord actually had plans and works set out that he wants completed for his kingdom. I, I am not special in that I'm the only one that can do them. Other people can do them, but I'm willing. So if you're willing to do these plans and these purposes, the Lord will make a way. His voice will be the loudest. And yeah, you, you can prevail if you just surrender everything to the Lord. Surrender everything. That's another good point because I did not <laughs> want to surrender my security mm. and my comfort for university. And a lot of people to this day keep saying, oh, just keep it open. Maybe you'll go back. I know in my heart I won't just say, yeah, maybe, but no. Surrender everything before, um, yeah, bef- not before it's too late because it's never too late. And even if you think you're so far in, you're not. You can you can actually change direction. There's nothing wasted in the kingdom. The Lord's always going to use our experiences for his glory and for his good. But just make sure every day have that heart check and surrender everything to God and say, okay, if God were to ask me to give this up, would I do it? Yes or no? And if it's a no, then really, really dig in with God and um, – yeah, just continue to build that relationship with him and grow. From, we grow from glory to glory, and God will help us do Amen. that by his faithfulness. Amen. Yeah. It makes me think of the missionary anthem song that YWAM yes. dearly loves and that I fell in love with when I went over there, the bridge of that song, which I absolutely love. I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. Amen. So thank you so much for your wisdom, Beck. Really appreciate it. Would God bless you and shine his face upon you and direct you by his spirit as you continue to move towards overseas mission in this restricted we will country. Fight. Thanks so we much for coming on. Thank you, Aaron. We will fight for every soul. Come on, we give our lives. And I will preach the gospel. I'll die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. I will preach the gospel, I'll die and be forgotten As long as you give the glory Thanks for listening to another episode of the Aspire podcast. It was a lot of fun putting together this season and we are really looking forward to releasing another season soon. So do be on the lookout for that. But for now, goodbye.